Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, December 7th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land, not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north, even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph, there were seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is 20 minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week, we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Vayishlach, and it means, And He Sent. Genesis 33, 6-20 Then the maids with their children came forward and bowed low. Next, Leah with her children came forward and bowed low. And last, Joseph and Rachel came forward and bowed low. And he asked, What do you mean by all this company which I have met? And he answered, To gain my Lord's favor. Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Let what you have remain yours. But Jacob said, No, I pray, if you would do me this favor, accept from me this gift. For to see your face is like seeing the face of Hashem, and you have received me favorably. Please accept my present which has been brought to you, for Hashem has favored me, and I have plenty. And when he urged him, he accepted. And Esau said, Let us start on our journey, and I will proceed at your pace. But he said to him, My Lord knows that the children are frail, and that the flocks and herds which are nursing are a care to me. If they are driven hard a single day, all the flocks will die. Let my Lord go on ahead of his servant, while I travel slowly at the pace of the cattle before me. 
and at the pace of the children until I come to my lord in Seir. Then Esau said, Let me assign to you some of the men who are with me. But he said, Oh no, my lord, is too kind to me. So Esau started back that day on his way to Seir. But Jacob journeyed on to Sukkot, and built a house for himself and made stalls for his cattle. That is why the place was called Sukkot. Jacob arrived safe in the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, having come thus from Padam Aram, and he encamped before the city. The parcel of land where he pitched his tent he purchased from the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred kasida. He set up an altar there and called it El Elohe Israel. Hosea 6, 1-9-17 Come, let us turn back to Hashem. He attacked, and He can heal us. He wounded, and He can bind us up. In two days He will make us whole again, and on the third day He will raise us up, and we shall be whole by His favor. Let us pursue obedience to Hashem, and we shall become obedient. His appearance is as sure as daybreak, and He will come to us like rain, like latter rain that refreshes the earth. What can I do for you, Ephraim? What can I do for you, Yehuda? When your goodness is like morning clouds, like dew so early gone. That is why I have hewn down the Nevi'im, have slain them with the words of my mouth, and the day that dawned brought on your punishment. For I desire goodness, not sacrifice, obedience to Hashem, rather than burnt offerings. But they, to a man, have transgressed the covenant. This is where they have been false to me. Gilead is a city of evildoers, tracked up with blood. The gang of Kohanim is like the ambuscade of bandits who murder on the road to Shechem, for they have encouraged depravity. In the house of Israel I have seen a horrible thing. Ephraim has fornicated there. Israel has defiled himself. Even Yehuda has reaped a harvest of you. When I would restore my people's fortunes, when I would heal Israel, the guilt of Ephraim reveals itself. And the wickedness of Shomron, for they have acted treacherously, with thieves breaking in and bandits raiding outside. And they do not consider that I remember all their wickedness. Why, their misdeeds have been all around them. They have been ever before me. In malice they make a king marry, and officials in treachery. They commit adultery, all of them, like an oven fired by a baker who desists from stoking only from the kneading of the dough to its leavening. The day they made our king sick and officials with the poison of wine, he gave his hand to traitors. For they approached their ambush with their hearts like an oven. Through the night their baker has slept. In the morning it flares up like a blazing fire. They all get heated like an oven and devour their rulers. None of them calls to me. All their kings have fallen by their hand. 
Ephraim is among the peoples, he is rotting away. Ephraim is like a cake, incapable of turning. Strangers have consumed his strength, but he has taken no notice. Also, mold is scattered over him, but he has taken no notice. Though Israel's pride has been humbled before his very eyes, they have not turned back to their God Hashem. They have not sought him in spite of everything. Instead, Ephraim has acted like a silly dove with no mind. They have appealed to Egypt. They have gone to Assyria. When they go, I will spread my net over them. I will bring them down like birds of the sky. I will chastise them when I hear their bargaining. Woe to them for straying from me, destruction to them for rebelling against me. For I was their Redeemer, yet they have plotted treason against me. But they did not cry out to me sincerely as they lay wailing. They debauch over new grain and new wine. They are faithless to me. I braced, I strengthened their arms, and they plot evil against me. They come back, they have been of no use, like a slack bow. Their officers shall fall by the sword. Because of the stammering of their tongues, such shall be the results of their jabbering in the land of Egypt. Put a shofar to your mouth, like an eagle over the house of Hashem, because they have transgressed my covenant and been faithless to my teaching. Israel cries out to me, O my God, we are devoted to you. Israel rejects what is good. An enemy shall pursue him. They have made kings, but not with my sanction. They have made officers, but not of my choice. Of their silver and gold they have made themselves images to their own undoing. He rejects your calf, Shomron. I am furious with them. Will they never be capable of purity? For it was Israel's doing. It was only made by a joiner. It is not a god. No, the calf of Shomron shall be reduced to splinters. They sow wind, and they shall reap whirlwind, standing stalks devoid of ears, and yielding no flower. If they do yield any, strangers shall devour it. Israel is bewildered. They have now become among the nations like an unwanted vessel, like a lonely wild donkey. For they have gone up to Assyria. Ephraim has courted friendship. And while they are courting among the nations, there I will hold them fast, and they shall begin to diminish in number from the burden of king and officers. For Ephraim has multiplied altars for guilt. His altars have redounded to his guilt. The many teachings I wrote for him have been treated as something alien. When they present sacrifices to me, It is but flesh for them to eat. Hashem has not accepted them. Behold, he remembers their iniquity. He will punish their sins. Back to Egypt with them. Israel has ignored his maker and built temples, and Yehuda has fortified many cities. So I will set fire to his cities, and it shall consume their fortresses. Rejoice not, O Israel, as other peoples exult, for you have strayed away from your God. You have loved a harlot's fee by every 
threshing floor of new grain. Threshing floor and winepress shall not join them, and the new wine shall betray her. They shall not be able to remain in the land of Hashem, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt and shall eat unclean food in Assyria. It shall be for them like the food of mourners, all who partake of which are defiled. They will offer no libations of wine to Hashem, and no sacrifices of theirs will be pleasing to Him, but their food will be only for their hunger. It shall not come into the house of Hashem. What will you do about feast days, about the festivals of Hashem? Behold, they have gone from destruction with the silver they treasure. Egypt shall hold them fast. Moth shall receive them in burial. Weeds are their heirs. Prickly shrubs occupy their old homes. The days of punishment have come for your heavy guilt. The days of requital have come. Let Israel know it. The Navi was distraught, the inspired man driven mad by constant harassment. Ephraim watches for my God. As for the Navi, Fowler's snares are on all his paths, harassment in the house of his God. They have been as grievously corrupt as in the days of Giva. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. I found Israel as pleasing as grapes in the wilderness. Your fathers seemed to me like the first fig to ripen on a fig tree. But when they came to Baal Peor, they turned aside to shamefulness. Then they became as detested as they had been loved. From birth, from the womb, from conception, Ephraim's glory shall be like birds that fly away. Even if they rear their infants, I will bereave them of men. Woe to them indeed when I turn away from them. It shall go with Ephraim, as I have seen it go with Tyre, which was planted in a meadow. Ephraim too must bring out his children to slayers. Give them Hashem, give them what? Give them a womb that miscarries and shriveled breasts. All their misfortunes began at Gilgal, for there I disowned them. For their evil deeds I will drive them out of my house. I will accept them no more. All their officials are disloyal. Ephraim is stricken, their stock is withered, they can produce no fruit. Even if they do bear children, I will slay their cherished offspring. My Hashem rejects them because they have not obeyed Him, and they shall go wandering among the nations. 3 John 1, 1-15 The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, even as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatsoever you do to the brethren and to strangers which have borne witness of your charity before the church, whom, if you bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, you shall do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. 
We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephus, who loves to have the preeminence among them, receives us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither does he himself receive the brethren, and forbids them that would, and casts them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that does good is of God, but he that does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has good report of all men, and of the truth itself. Yes, and we also bear record, and you know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto you. But I trust I shall shortly see you, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to you. Our friends salute you. Greet the friends by name. Psalm 126, 1-6 When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Yahweh, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth and weeps bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Proverbs 29, 12-14 If a ruler hearkens to lies, all his servants are wicked. The poor and the deceitful man meet together. The Lord lights both their eyes. The king that faithfully judges the poor, his throne shall be established forever. I'd like to speak to you today from the book of Genesis, chapter 33. And actually, we're going to be looking back a little bit at Genesis chapter 32 as well. And what I want to do is expand upon and unpack this meeting that uh, J- Jacob and Esau have and look at it from another angle through the lens of the book of Jasher. Now, what is the book of Jasher? It is an ancient history book that is recommended reading by the Bible. In fact, Out of uh, 13 other ancient books, Jasher is still in existence, and it's actually recommended. Scripture records the event where God caused the sun to stand still until Joshua and his men finished defeating the Amorites. This was such an incredible event that the author of the book of Joshua explains it must be true because it is also recorded in the book of Jasher. This tells us two things. First, the original book of Jasher is older than the book of Joshua. And second, Scripture recommends we read this particular history book. So the ancient book of Jasher is referenced in Joshua chapter 10, verse 13, in 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 18, and also in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. So giving you that little bit of background about the book of Jasher, now I want to unpack for you more understanding about this meeting between Jacob 
and Esau. Because again, just on the surface, it may look like, oh, they've reconciled and Esau and Jacob are kissing and all is well and all is good. And what an example of two brothers coming together in unity. But there's, it, there's a deeper understanding of what was going on there. So in the book of Jasher, chapter 32, or actually chapter 31, um, after Jacob leaves his uncle Laban, Laban is angry because he's lost his slave, his free labor. And so he's angry and he's going to send off some messengers. And in verse 54, he, that is Laban, hastened and sent off his son Beor, who was 17 years old, with Abikorath, the son of Uz, the son of Nahor, and with them were ten men. And they hastened and went and passed on the road before Jacob, and they came by another road to the land of Seir. Now who's in Seir? Esau. And they came to Esau, and they said to him, Thus says your brother and relative, your mother's brother Laban, the son of Bethuel, saying, Have you heard what Jacob your brother has done to me, who first came to me naked and bare? And I went to meet him and brought him to my home with honor. I made him great, and I gave him my two daughters for wives and also two of my maids. And God blessed him on my account, and he increased abundantly and had sons and daughters and maidservants. He also has an immense stock of flocks and herds, camels and donkeys, also silver and gold in abundance. And when he saw that his wealth increased, he left me while I went to shear my sheep, and he rose up and fled in secrecy. And he lifted his wives and children upon camels, and he led away all his cattle and property, which he acquired in my land, and he lifted up his countenance to go to his father Isaac to the land of Canaan. And he did not suffer me to kiss my daughters and their children, and he led my daughters as captives taken by the sword, and he also stole my gods, and he fled. So what's going on here is that Laban is stirring the pot. He has sent messengers to go tell Esau, hey, this is what your brother's up to. He's heading back home to go see Isaac, and he did all these terrible things to me. So what does Laban, what does Esau do? Verse 64, and Esau heard all the words of Laban's messengers, and his anger was greatly kindled against Jacob, and he remembered his hatred, and his anger burned within him. And Esau hastened and took his children and servants and the souls of his household, being sixty men, and he went and assembled all the children of Seir the Horite, and their people, being three hundred and forty men. And he took all this number of four hundred men with drawn swords, and he went up to Jacob to smite him. Okay, so there's the intention. There's the motivation. Laban went and sent messengers to tell Esau what was going on, and Esau got very angry, and, and his hatred was kindled, and he brought up 400 men, and his purpose and intention was to kill his brother, Jacob. Now, I'm not going to read the whole uh, section here word for word, but what basically happens is these same messengers leave Esau, and then they go on to... Um, Isaac and Rebekah, and they tell Rebekah what's going on. They tell her this story, that Jacob is on his way home. Esau has found out about it through them, and Esau has the intention of killing Jacob. And so now 
Rebecca gets involved in this drama, and she sends a message to her son, Jacob. And in verse 75, she says, Hearken, my son, to my voice, and see with your counsel what you will do. And when he comes up to you, when he, that is Esau, comes up to you, supplicate him. And do not speak rashly to him, and give him presents from what you possess, and from what God has favored you with. And when he asks you concerning your affairs, conceal nothing from him. Perhaps he may turn from his anger against you, and will thereby save your soul, and you and all your belongings with you. For it is your duty to honor him, for he is your elder brother." Verse 77, And when Jacob heard the words of his mother, which the messengers had spoken to him, Jacob lifted up his voice and wept bitterly, and did as his mother then commanded him. So then as you continue on in Jasher, the next chapter, chapter 32, there's a section that basically describes Jacob interceding and praying to the Lord. Um, and, and we also read that in the Genesis account as well. Um, he wrestles with the angel all night long, and then his hip is touched and, and that sort of thing. And so um, as a result of that intercessory prayer session that he has with the Lord all night long with the angel, here's what happened. Here's the answer to prayer, which we don't see in Genesis, but here it is in Jasher. In Jasher chapter 32, starting in verse 27, And the Lord heard the prayer of Jacob on that day, and the Lord then delivered Jacob from the hands of his brother Esau. And the Lord sent three angels of the angels of heaven, and they went before Esau and came to him. And these angels appeared to Esau and his people as two thousand men, riding upon horses, furnished with all sorts of war instruments. And they appeared in the sight of Esau and all his men to be divided into four camps with four chiefs to them. And one camp went on, and they found Esau coming with four hundred men toward his brother. And this camp ran toward Esau and his people and terrified them. And Esau fell off the horse in alarm, and all his men separated from him in that place, for they were greatly afraid. And so it goes on to talk about how uh, you know, the second camp, um, these angels sent a second camp and then a third camp and a fourth camp. And so basically, uh, Esau decides to put the swords away and have his men put their swords back in their sheath because he's not going to come against Jacob with these, uh, you know, 2,000 soldiers that are protecting him. So now in chapter 32, verse 40, and Esau concealed his hatred against Jacob because he was afraid of his life on account of his brother Jacob, and because he imagined that the four camps that he had come upon were Jacob's servants. And so um, that really gives further verification and evidence that when Jacob and Esau did kiss, Esau was concealing his hatred. He still hated his brother, and you can see it in the scriptures with those teeth marks, those little dots above each and every one of the letters. Continuing on in chapter 32, verse 55. And the fear of Jacob and his terror fell upon his brother Esau, for Esau was greatly afraid of Jacob for what the angels of God had done to Esau. And Esau's anger against Jacob was turned 
to kindness. And when Esau saw Jacob running toward him, he also ran toward him and embraced him, and he fell upon his neck, and they kissed, and they wept. And God put fear and kindness toward Jacob in the hearts of the men that came with Esau, and they also kissed Jacob and embraced him. And also Eliphaz, the son of Esau, with his four brothers, sons of Esau, wept with Jacob, and they kissed him and embraced him, for the fear of Jacob had fallen upon them all. So this ancient struggle and battle between two brothers, Jacob and Esau, that battle continues to this very day. And the descendants of Jacob, that is, those people who love the God of Israel and who love his book, the Bible, the Torah, and and who endeavor to follow it by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, um, the descendants of Jacob are going to be persecuted and pursued and, and tormented, terrorized by the descendants of Esau. So uh, the descendants of Esau today, they hate the God of Israel. They hate Jews. They hate Christians. They want to throw all the Jews into the sea and take over the land and call it Palestine. But also, uh, they're part of the deep state and the globalists um, that want to, you know, make this one world government and this one world economy. So this battle continues to this very day. It's a spiritual battle. And so this gives you a little bit more background and understanding about how it all got started and, um, you know, understanding who Esau is. He's cunning. He's a hunter. He, he goes into a people and um, blends in and assimilates and slowly, quietly rises to power and then takes over from within. And that's often how um, political entities work today. We see the CCP, the Communist Chinese Communist Party, infiltrating in American life in every way that you can think of, in the media, in Hollywood, in politics, in the colleges and universities, in uh, local government, in school boards. And this communist mindset, this way of life, this uh, political worldview has really greatly infiltrated the Democratic Party. And, and so it's through infiltration, and it takes time. They may have a 50-year plan, and they're now in year 49 of that 50-year plan, but they started 50 years ago to do this. So it doesn't happen in a day or a week or a month. It takes many, many years, but, but they're patient, and they're cunning, and they infiltrate. And this is, this is how Esau operates, like a lion that hides in a savanna in the grass and quietly waits for its prey. And as soon as the prey comes, then the lion that's been hiding pounces on its prey and destroys it, kills it. Okay, that's all I have for today. Father, I just pray right now that we would have the spirit of Jacob. Jacob was a man of the tents, and that's a Hebrew idiom for he loved the word of God. He studied 
the word of God. He took it into his spirit. May we have that kind of a spirit and um, that we would love you and love your word and love to put it into practice in a practical, tangible way in our life. May we have wisdom and discernment uh, and be aware of the spiritual battle that is going on, that is waging for men and women's souls. And may we have wisdom in knowing how to overcome in the same way that Jacob overcame. He wrestled with the angel all night and interceded and asked for your blessing and your favor and wouldn't let go of the angel until the Lord blessed him. And at that point, his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. He struggled with God and overcame. So may we also intercede and pray and stand in the gap on behalf of our loved ones, our family, our friends, to stand in the gap that you would bring them into your favor and into your blessing and out of darkness into your light, into your truth, out of deception into truth. May we overcome even as Jacob overcame. We love you, we bless you, and we praise you. In Yeshua's name, amen. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.